0: Hi folks, welcome along to another episode of Looking Under the Hood. I'm Scott Malcolm and we are unpacking the money stuff. Today I'm excited to be joined by Louise Biddy who is Director at Aged Care Steps. Welcome along Louise, I'm excited to unpack some of these elements with you today.
1: Yeah, thanks Scott, I am too. It's always my favourite topic, aged care.
0: Well, look, I've been asking all my guests um, to have a think about one of their early happy or joyous uh, money memories. So what's one of your early money memories?
1: I think it was probably back when I was in primary school and I'd have my 20 cents a week pocket money going down to the cafe and trying to be really strategic on how many lollies could I buy for my 20 cents and realizing that I was buying a bigger bag full than my friends because I thought about it.
0: I love it. I, I'm recalling the the carob buds and like the the little fruit balls, I think they were called at the time at the at the school canteen. That was uh they were always good ones. Did you did you have a favorite?
1: Uh, I like the chocolate buddies and the freckles.
0: Oh they were always yes. my favourites. Thanks for sharing that, Louise, and, and welcome along. So aged care stuff is is quite complex. I mean, we're we're seeing now a, a royal commission into the aged care sector. We're hearing sort of some horror stories of, of what can go wrong in, in the sector there. But I guess from the, the money side of things, if, if people are starting their, their journey to again, lose capacity or need additional support and, and services in their lives, wh- where does that start? How do people go about starting that process?
1: Yeah, I think recognising it to start with. Um, aged care is a very confusing and a very confronting area that people just don't want to think about. There's nothing fun or pleasant about the concept of aged care, um, but we need to think about it and we need to start planning in advance. So the very first step is to think about where we live, how well we're living there and whether we can live there safely on our own or whether we need support. And then if we want to look for what the government might subsidise for us, the first step is to go to the myagedcare.gov.au website, and that's where we can then register for assistance, go through an assessment process and see what options might be available for the government to subsidise on our behalf.
0: The resources there are, are really great, aren't they, Louise?
1: They are improving. What they're trying to do is rather than just being an information site, they're trying to map it out a little bit more towards the journey. You know, what are, what's mm. the process? How does it unfold? Where are the decision points? It's still a government website, so it's still going to be a little bit careful about the way they pitch things and trying not yep. to give any advice or direction as to yeah. what you should do. And that's where financial planners and other advice comes into play.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and I think it is a very niche area. And I mean, I, I, I disclose at the moment, I, I, I haven't done all the full training in that space. And so...
1: We'll get you there, Scott, someone, if you like.
0: We will. Yeah, we, we're definitely. It's, it is on the agenda Uh because... It is a big area. Look, I'm seeing it more with some of my older clients as they're, they're getting to, to sort of a certain age, but also um, other clients who are helping to support their family members through that that process as well. And you, you mentioned the assessment process. There's in-home support services as well as sort of those the more formal sort of going into a retired or aged care village setting as well. Is is that What's the difference between those two, I guess? Yes,
1: yeah, so I think we need to look at aged care is a broad landscape. So it is not just the residential nursing home type support, there is an increasingly a lot more support at home. So what we need to think about, as I said, is where do we live and are we safe and supported there already? Do we need extra support? Can we continue to live in that environment and bring extra support in? So the government does have a couple of different home care programs that can bring help into where we live. And whether that's in our own home on our own, or with our spouse, or whether we live with the children or in a retirement village, all of those different environments can have home care support. Where that's not going to be enough, or it's not a suitable environment because we have very, very high needs, that's when we might look at a residential environment that combines somewhere to live and the care 24 seven as well.
0: I love what you said before about, are you safe and secure? Do you have that sort of safety in your own home to to stay there? Um, and I will give a bit of a shout out to my uh, partner's nan, Nana Faye. Uh, she's 91 and uh, still living relatively independently. She's got, a again, a aged care or home care package and gets a, some people to come in and help out with shopping and stuff. But she is my ultimate in that uh, as I age, I, I hope to uh, end up in a situation like her.
1: Good on her because so many of us will be able to stay in our homes and get the support, but often only if we think in advance as well. And this is where planning's about. People don't plan and don't think about aged care because as I said, it's not the fun things to think about. But for ones like your nan, it's also about I can stay in my own home, I can be independent, but I just need things to keep me safer and so I don't put myself at risk also, that I can get out of the house more easily and stay connected to my community. So aged care is not just about the health issues. It's also about how to maintain independence and keep quality of life, no matter what our frailty or our body's doing. Um, and so that planning ahead and thinking is, is interesting. And there's a lot more happening in that space, and particularly with technology and in the homes. It's really
0: quite exciting. As you said before, there's, there's different forms of government support and and they do different tests on that front, don't they? So I guess similar to if people are on age pension, there's an asset and an income test. They they means test things. Is that is that right?
1: So there's two. If you're looking at the home care support, um, at the moment, there's a couple of different programs. One of them, which is just the Commonwealth Home Support Program, which is where You really are independent. You just need support with, say, meals or you just need someone to come and do the cleaning. They aren't necessarily means tested. The provider that's going to offer the services to you will negotiate a price with you. So they get funding from the government to provide services and they negotiate a price. It's normally a fairly small fee for the services provided. When you start to look at the more comprehensive home care packages, where the budget is allocated to the actual person and then they work with the care provider to say, what's the combination of services we want? That is income tested. And so there's a standard daily fee that people pay and the rest is going to be income tested. When we move towards residential care, the contributions that you pay are based on what they call means testing, which means they look at assets, And income as a combined factor as well to look at how much you contribute. I think also too most people think you know the fees are really high and it's really expensive but when you start to unpack what you're getting for the money and and what you're really paying for it actually a lot of people are surprised just how affordable it is and what good value for money it is too.
0: And I think that's where, as you said before, that that planning early is really important so that people can actually start thinking about what does that journey look like. And even, I mean, some clients are shocked when I say to them, when we're doing their retirement planning, like, start to think about what your retirement longer term looks like for you as well. Like, do you want to stay in your house as long as possible? Is the house set up, like, if it's a, a three-story house, are you going to be able to still wrangle the stairs every day and, and those sort of things? So, yeah, it is really important to, I guess, be on the front foot. Getting into the residential care setting, um, there's different ways that that happens as well, isn't there? Because you either have the the bond or the the cost to actually enter the facility potentially, and or a, a regular payment to to cover that cost if if that's needed as well. So, how does that work? What what are the things people need to be aware of in in that space, or if they are sort of getting to that stage of right person needs to go into residential care, or okay, what do I need to think about?
1: Yeah, so if residential care is the right choice, and generally we see that for people who are really quite high care needs and need specialised nursing support or people who have dementia and just can't, they start to wander and they're not safe at home or people who don't live with anyone else, people who are living alone and home care package might not be enough to cover all the other bits and pieces. So residential care is where that starts to come in. It gets confusing because there's four different sets of fees. But if you think about it, I guess one of the biggest myths in aged care is people think it's like hospital and healthcare. Now, it is in some ways because we end up there because of our health. But really, what it's about saying is it's a choice of where we live and how we live safely with quality of lifestyle as well as quality of care. So if we unpack it, the four fees to relate it to what we would pay for normally. First thing is you need to pay for a room. You're moving to a new home, so you need to pay for somewhere to live, which is what we always do. You'll have the choice to be able to pay a lump sum to effectively buy the right to live there, or you'll be able to rent the room. And so that helps with people having choices and affordability. You know, do I buy the room, do I rent the room? Then once you're in there, we need to pay for a contribute towards the costs that we have of food, electricity, gas, laundry services, cleaning services, linen, all of those. And that all comes at a cost of $52.71 a day. That's pretty cheap. If I could get somebody to do all of that for me for $52, they're hired.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: And, And then we've got all of the other staff that do the care things for us. That's very largely subsidized by the government. But if we have financial capacity, they'll ask us to contribute towards those costs. And that's the people who just help us do everything we need to and run the facility, entertain us, help, you know, cook our meals, those sorts of services. And then there's all the extra things, the things the provider could do that give us convenience or a better quality or, or extra lifestyle choices. And so. That's not dissimilar to us living in our own home where we pay for our accommodation, we pay for our basic living care, we may or may not need to pay for extra care services and then we pay for all our lifestyle things. And it's the same construct, just rules around what those fees are and, and how they all interact and, and what our choices are.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and there's different rules around whether you're single, whether you're you're a member of a partnership. And then if you've got to, I guess, separate that, not separate the partnership, but um, move out of, a, a say, the home setting into a, a higher needs care setting, um, there's different rules around how that all works. And so that's really important to unpack and, and make sure that you're making the right decisions, I guess, uh, on that avenue. Because where I've seen it before, um, just making sure that obviously the person who might be staying in the family home or, or staying in the, in the house there, they've got to be, again, safe and secure still, but then also the, the person who's going into care. So it's just making sure that you navigate those um, those elements. And are there are there any tips or traps, I guess, when it comes to that side of things as well, Louise?
1: Get advice. <laughs> yeah, get I think advice. that's the simplest thing. I think too many people, this is something that most people only come across once or twice in their lifetime, And they try to struggle through it on their own. And I think get advice. This is too big a decision and too important a decision to just chance doing it correctly. Also, too, there's so many other things you need to do at that time, so much emotions running high. So getting advice from a financial advisor who's really expert and qualified in this space can help you have somebody in the room who's objective, to the family. So that takes away the emotional side and helps you navigate through that. Um, it can also save you a lot of time, give you reassurance that you're making the right decisions and it's the right process. I just think that's so valuable. Even for people who think they've got very simple finances or very limited finances, they should get advice as well because we see The people we classify as low means who have very low levels of assets and income, and the government will give extra subsidies for them. And often they say, Oh, we don't, that we don't have much. We don't need advice, but they're the ones who I think need more advice than even the wealthier people. Because Mm. if they make the wrong decisions or the wrong choices, it can end up costing them more than they can afford.
0: Definitely. And, and look, I know I've got colleagues who have done your training, Louise, and I should have mentioned okay. that earlier. Louise trains financial planners in, in the complexities of how this system works. So they, they're again, packaged up a, a price to, to help people get through it. And I think that the fee you pay, as you say, is, is so just, um, worthwhile because you're navigating it. We've probably said this in on the podcast before and we've talked about divorce or other things. If it's a, a once in a lifetime event, you want to make sure that you're sort of getting it done right. I guess talking about that, so sometimes paying for that uh, right for accommodation or, or uh, ability to have accommodation, as you mentioned before, there's also some complexities around the, the family home. And, and I guess that sometimes gets confused with people in that they say, oh, I've got to sell the family house now. And oh, how do we make all this work? What what are some of the things to consider if that is the outcome for people or if, that, if that's where things get to uh, on that front?
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We hear people all the time saying, I don't want to sell the house. This is unfair. So there is nothing in the aged care system that says you need to sell your house. All you need to be able to do is look at what your options are and decide how you want to structure your payments. Now, for some people, maybe that's the best outcome or the inevitable choice. But as I mentioned earlier, when you are moving into residential care, you do need to pay for the right to live there. So they are sometimes scary lump sums they're anywhere from nothing up to 2 million dollars mm. on average it's about 450,000 seems to be the rough average currently across australia but equally so if you're going to go and buy a house you know the houses that anywhere up to 134 million dollars for a penthouse with a harbor view 360 degrees <laughs> The prices of property vary enormously and can be quite expensive. But it doesn't mean we have to sell our first house to move into the next one because there's lots of people who all the time either can't afford to buy a house or choose not to buy a house and they rent it. When you're moving to aged care, you have the exact same choices. You could just rent the room instead of paying for the lump sum. So those who don't want to sell the house, can rent the room. We just need to make sure you can generate cash flow to fund that. And there's a number of different ways that you can do that as well. So I think be aware that you have got choices and that's where advice helps. Also be one of the things that we see that's a problem is when you go to aged care providers, they might have a preference about you paying a certain portion as a lump sum, or they might want the lump sums rather than you paying the rent. And that's because they're running difficult business models as well that they need to manage their cash flows. But some of them try to encourage people that they have to pay a certain amount as a lump sum or that that's the expectation. Push back on that, we say, because it is the client's choice to pay the lump sum or the daily fee you don't need to give the any information to the provider about what your choice is until 28 days after you've moved in. So it gives you lots of time to have advice, think about it, not make rash decisions and decide what you really want to do, what you can afford, what's best for you.
0: That is so important. Again, there's there's a time constraint, but it's not an immediate time constraint. And so, again, it's about taking your time to sort of sit back in, in the decision-making and go, right, what's actually going to be best for us or for our family member or whatever it is that, yeah. that you're going through that process because you don't want to just be going, oh, yes, we're going to go for the, the $200,000 option because we're we're concerned about it. It's, again, about creating that that safety and security for your family member or, or for yourself down the track as well.
1: Yeah. I also think families shouldn't be afraid to pay pay for the lump sum as well, because it's not lost money. And I think that's also a myth that seems to be out there. People think if they give the aged care provider $400,000 to buy the room, it's money they never see again. They're called refundable accommodation deposits for a reason because the money is refundable. It's just a deposit for the room. The aged care provider gets to hold that money and use that money while you live there, when you leave it gets refunded back to you. There's no risk at all because it's government guaranteed. And in fact, we see a lot of people who really do choose to sell the former home so that they don't have to worry about maintaining it, looking after it, the risks of property. And it also can help get some Centrelink exemptions as well because whatever you pay as the refundable accommodation deposit for your room is not accessible for Centrelink. So people shouldn't be afraid of paying the deposits. Um, it's just about understanding what do they want to do and what's the best sensible choice for them.
0: Refundable accommodation deposits. It's got refundable in the uh, in the name of it. So uh, so keep that in mind as well. I
1: know people forget that, and it's also different to retirement villages. I think also too people confuse it with a retirement village, which is a completely different legal construct and financial decision. And often whatever you pay for a retirement village, you might only get a portion of it back. That is completely different to in residential aged care, where whatever you pay, you get back, unless you've used some of that to pay your other ongoing expenses with.
0: Any last sort of top tips or, or things that we haven't touched on um, that you would say if people are just navig- saying navigate this for the first time that they should consider or think about?
1: I, I think we've said it So it's, Plan ahead and have discussions with families. So this is always one of those difficult questions that the parents don't want to talk to the kids because they think as soon as they say, I need help, the kids are going to swoop in, take control, boss them around, or at least that's what my mother thinks anyway. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) plan ahead, have conversations with your families. Don't be afraid to raise it. It's about giving you as much information as early as possible to be best prepared and get advice look for a financial planner that is accredited in aged care advice understand your options take time it seems like a scary time and you're pushed for making quick decisions but with good advice and support you've got enough time to make the decisions you need in many cases
0: yeah and that that's fantastic i think it's about trying to turn it into an empowered decision-making process rather than that reactive decision-making process and that really hard probably sometimes family conversation getting engagement from everybody but um as as you say not uh not trying to boss uh the, the parents around too much i'll boss them around sometimes <laughs> yeah, yeah we've got to, got, to, got to keep them in line haven't you <laughs> any sort of resources or books where people can sort of get some further information or or start their understanding journey a little bit further on that front
1: yeah so a couple of books um one that I read recently which I've been really enjoying was one by Jean Kitson and it's called we need to talk about mum and dad so it's a really practical guide and she takes a quite a light-hearted view of it so I think that's one that I would suggest the other one is one called that I wrote, so that's always a good one. Um, it's called Don't Panic, Age the Way You Want, Where You Want. And so it helps people starting to think about what that journey might look like and how they make the decision. You can Google it and you'll find it a lot of online bookstores. Um, it was published by West Australian Newspapers, so they are selling it online. I hope they're still in stock. But they're two um, really good books.
0: If if not, Louise, we'll uh, definitely have a run on uh, on a reprint. I'm I'm sure. But um, look, they they sound like some great resources, and I do love the title of that one: "Age the way you want, where you want." Fantastic. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Great to chat and connect with you. I'll, I'll put some of those resources that you mentioned, like the, the My Aged Care website. I'll also put uh, links to your uh, contact details and website there, because I know you've got a, a range of resources yep. and you, you're often uh, quoted in uh, articles and write blogs and things like that yourself as on this uh, topic that you uh, love. But thanks so much for coming along and joining me today. It's been great to uh, connect and uh, have the conversation.
1: No worries. It was fun, Scott. So thank you for
0: that. Absolute pleasure. We've made aged care fun today. That That's great. Thanks for joining me today. It has been a, a really interesting topic. And as we say, it can be a, an emotionally charged one. So really important to build your team around you. So again, get your family engaged and, and talking about these things. Get your advice team around you, but then again, don't feel the pressure that you've got to make decisions straight away. We'll put the resources in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you are liking and enjoying our podcast, please uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts.